Let's just say the cat was bigger than a horse. To be honest, the cat was nearly the size of an elephant, but that sounds too scary, so let's just say the cat was bigger than a horse. It had claws the size of my fingers. It had teeth the length of my forearm. It was hissing so forcefully that my hair was blowing in the wind of its breath. Its name was Proton. It was invisible, odorless, and silent. It was trying to kill me. It was Nate's fault. I should probably explain. Nate's smart, that's for sure. His IQ has been measured by amateurs, who returned results that made eyes pop wide. These results had been checked and rechecked and submitted to experts, who rushed to Polt Middle School to investigate Nathan Bannister with further and far more difficult tests. These tests took place a couple of weeks back, after school, in our sixth-grade classroom. I'd stayed late to sweep the floor, since Ms. Talbot uses cleaning duty as a punishment for misbehaving children, among which I am numbered. Nate was there, blinking at these experts, these men and women who'd come to Polt from as near as Portland, and as far away as New York, London, and a city in Russia that had a name far past my ability to pronounce. Nate was blinking at these very serious people, not understanding why they were giving him such simple tests. The chalkboards were covered with Nate's equations, equations that were making the experts shiver. There were three women dressed in skirts and cardigans, and a man in a horrible green suit. He was muttering to himself and leaned up against the blackboard, getting chalk on his suit from where Ms. Talbot's weekly cleaning duty list was posted, which at the time happened to have my name, Delphine, written five times in a row. I was fascinated, and it wasn't because of the dreadful green suit or my name on the chalkboard, but because my classmate, Nate, a boy I'd never really paid any attention to, was pointing out the mistakes in their math. And suddenly, it felt like they were the ones being tested. And they were failing. I let out a little laugh. Nate looked over to me. He smiled. I smiled back. And then I went back to pushing the broom. That was the first day that I really started to pay attention to Nate. I wanted to know why so many people had come from so far to meet him even though most everyone in our middle school barely noticed him, myself included. It wasn't until later that we became friends, and that his invisible cat almost killed me. Sort of. It's a long story that starts with dogs. Nate has a Scottish terrier named Bosper, and I walk dogs as a part-time job. It takes up a lot of time, three days a week after school, but it earns me enough money to buy comic books and fund my weekly cake-versus-pie meetings, which are a never-ending debate between me and my friends, despite the obvious superiority of cake. Plus, I have to pay for my cell phone by myself, and I'm also saving up for when my friend Liz Morris and I start traveling the world as a mysterious duo of carefree adventurers. Sadly, from the looks of my savings... 
That will probably have to wait until at least seventh grade. Anyway, Nate and I were both at the Mark Twain Memorial Dog Park. He had Bosper, and I was surrounded by an assortment of dogs, ranging from wiener dogs to St. Bernard's, all of them in the mood to bark and drool and twist their leashes around my legs. There was a young girl at the dog park, maybe five years old, playing with a blue balloon. She was having the time of her life. But of course, she lost her grip on the balloon, and it soared right up into the air and began floating away. Ah! The girl yelled. She crumpled to the grass, devastated. I'll get it, I said, despite the fact that at four feet seven inches, I'm not exactly the most excellent height for grabbing runaway balloons.